The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. Good morning. Real quick, I was sharing with somebody before I came up that um, I, I, I tend to get nervous before I speak. And, and it doesn't matter what it is, anytime I'm up in front of people, I, I get really, really nervous. And this person was being so encouraging to me. And, and what they said was, well, look at God used a donkey to speak. <laughs> so if you ever get nervous, there you go. God used a donkey. So here am I. <laughs> so I want to read a verse. If you want to read with me, it's going to be Psalms 145. And it's actually going to be uh, from the message. David writes, I lift you up on high in praise. My God, oh, my King. And I bless your name into eternity. I'll bless you every day and keep it up from now until eternity. God is magnificent. He can never be praised enough. There are no boundaries to his greatness. Generation after generation stands in awe of your work. Each one tells stories of your mighty acts. Your beauty and splendor have everyone talking. I compose songs on your wonders. What a, what a beautiful verse. And, and this is actually the end of Psalms, Psalms 145 through 150, is this, um, this great epic of praise that David writes. And many have said that this Psalm 145 is really the most exquisite of David's 75 Psalms. And, and really just that one piece, we get an idea of just how great it is. And he says, we cannot praise you enough, but I'm going to certainly try. And he goes on. But he also mentions in verse three that there are some things about God that are beyond our boundaries. Other versions might say that your, your greatness is unfathomable or your greatness is unsearchable. So that, that leads us to believe that there are some things about God that no matter how many questions we ask and how diligent we are in our search, there are some things about God that we can never know that will remain a mystery. And, and hence the title of our talk today, as we continue this series in wonder, our, our title today is Mystery Unknown. The mystery of God and the God that is unknown. Would you guys pray with me? Father, I am so grateful to be here this morning, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to praise you because you are so grand. Father, I thank you for the folks who are here today, and what I pray is that, like Paul said, that I would not get in the way of what you have to say, that it would be your words that come out of my mouth, and it would be your words that penetrate to our very souls. So, Father, we, uh, we praise you because you are mighty. And what we ask is that as we look at a God who can seem so mysterious and a God who is even unknown at times, that you would be revealed to us and that you would make yourself known. Father, we praise you, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. How many of you have gone through the yellow experience? Quite a few. How many of you guys have taken the strengths finders? A lot of you. Very good. So you know that going through this, you actually, um, what you discover are five of your top strengths. One of my five happens to be learning, a learner. 
I, I like to learn about a lot of things. The, the trouble is, I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse because I say that I, I, I know a little bit about a lot of things, but I know a lot about really nothing. <laughs> it's hard for me to stay focused. Uh, uh, an advanced degree isn't my thing. I could never stay focused that long. <laughs> but, but the truth is, I actually believe that humanity overall, we're learners. That we were actually created to learn that we were created to pursue knowledge. Let's take a look at uh, Proverbs, and we'll look at chapter 1. And right from the start, we're told who wrote Proverbs and why it was written. And this will give us some insight. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, for doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. So we could see from scripture, not only do I believe we were created to be learners, to be acquirers of knowledge, but we're actually told to go out and do that very thing. See, but the, the, the problem is you, you have humanity who was created and designed to learn, and then you have a, a God who at times can be beyond our comprehension. And so you have humanity who struggles to understand God in all of his completeness. And whether you learn through education, reading, writing, watching, practical things that are hands-on, or, or, or whether you are geared maybe towards philosophy, psychology, botany, the arts, wh- whatever discipline you tend to be geared to, it actually gives insight into how you were created. But not only do we pursue the knowledge of the world around us, but we also pursue knowledge of God. I call it theology. And if pursuing knowledge of the things around us, the world around us is good, then it's also good that we pursue knowing who God is. But again, we get back to the problem. We can't know all that there is to know about God, right? And so what happens is oftentimes we'll be led to to think, well, maybe God doesn't know it all. Maybe God isn't as powerful as I'm led to believe. Maybe he's not in as much control as I thought he was. Because if God knew what I knew right now, if he understood my circumstances, there's no way he would let me go through this. And so we have this this chasm between our search for knowledge and a God that can't be understood completely. And there's actually someone we can look to in scripture that has a similar story to ours. You can turn to Job chapter 42. And a lot of us, we know the story of Job. Here is this, um, he's a righteous man, the most righteous man in the land. And, and, And yet, looking at it from the outside, Job appears to be this pawn in this game between God and Satan. And here's this righteous man who has everything stripped away from him. 
trial and burden after trial and burden. And eventually Job says, are you there? What are you doing to me? Why am I going through this? Why do I deserve this? Do you have control? And so God responds to him. Job, where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? And and God goes on to explain his power and who he is and and, and what he does. And here we're going to jump into Job's response. Job 42, verse 1. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is it that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Job says, surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you will answer me. And Job says, my ears have heard you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. I I was at a, a campfire not too long ago. I wasn't at a campfire. I was camping, and there happened to be a campfire that we were sitting around. <laughs> it was late at night. Um, I think we began to get a little delirious, and there's five of us. And we said, okay, if you were a superhero, what power would you possess? I, I said flying. Somebody else said flying. Uh, another person said that I would want to be able to change the molecular structure of things. <laughs> And so we had, to, we had to unwrap that a little bit more. So basically, he can say, Chris, I'm going to turn you into a chair, and I'm going to turn the chair into Chris, and do that for anything. Pretty cool, right? I guess. <laughs> and so we started talking about what power was, was stronger than the other, and if, if we met in a fight, who would win? Of course. And, and then um, there was one other person, and they were the last one to, to tell us what superpower they would have. And she said, omniscience. I would want to know everything, completely, have knowledge of everything. And she has a doctorate degree, so you can see that she has this brain that absorbs things. And and it wasn't five seconds into it before everybody started throwing their opinion on that one. And, And basically, the consensus was that if you had knowledge of everything, that's a signed certificate of your death. You're going to commit suicide. And and so we acted it out and we thought, okay, as soon as you receive that gift of omniscience, of knowledge of everything, it'd be like, wow, this is amazing. Oh, oh. And the instant that you receive the gift, the, the next instant would be when you killed yourself. We we're not geared to handle all of that. Are we? Listen, I'm, I know how messed up I am, and I have a, a small idea of how messed up humanity is, and there's no way in the world I would want to know all of the details. No way. But God does know all of the details. So we're looking at mystery and the unknown of God. So maybe to help us out, we can look at some definitions. Let's look at mystery. Mystery, something that is difficult or impossible to explain. But see, you can also look at mystery in terms of identity. In terms of identity, it's somebody who is puzzling, 
somebody who's mysterious, or someone who's not known. So let's, let's kind of gravitate towards that definition, that mystery in terms of identity is someone that is unknown. Let's look at the definition for unknown. Well, it's pretty simple. It's not known or not known very well. But there's another way to look at the unknown, and that's in terms of value. See, in mathematics, they use letters for unknown values, right? X, Y, Z. So let's kind of gravitate towards that definition of the unknown, that to be unknown is to have an unknown value. So we have mystery, which is an identity that's unknown, and to be unknown is to have an unknown value. Now let's apply that to God. See, the mysterious things of God, the mystery of God is actually to not know his identity. And the unknown things of God is actually to not know his value, his significance. So here we are in the series called Wonder, where we try and get back a little bit of the awe and wonder. Some of the depth and meaning of what the word wonder really means. And so we apply wonder, and, and as Octavio said several times, wonder is actually synonymous with worship, except worship has an object, has a person in mind. So we look at our series, Wonder, and Mystery, and God, and so we're saying, let's reclaim that wonder, that mystery of God, and if the mystery is an unknown identity, what that actually leads to in worship is worship of who he is. Worship of his identity, of who God is. And for the unknown, reclaiming some of the wonder, the unknown of God, the unknown value that God has is we're actually worshiping what he has done, his significance. And so here we're trying to get something to, to put our hands around and we look at the wonder and the mystery and the, the unknownness of God and we, we actually see that to comprehend those things is to worship who he is and to know what he has done. Job said in his verse, my ears have heard you, but now, now that we've had this conversation, my eyes have seen you. And what he was saying was my ears have heard you. I knew who you were. I knew who, I knew what your identity was. That wasn't a mystery. I knew that part of it. But now, now that we've had this conversation, I know your value. Now I see you. I know what you can do. I know what you've done. And I know what you've promised. Let's um, change directions here for just a second. Or if it's good, permanently. Mysteries, I was preparing for this and I sat down and I started thinking, you know, mysteries are actually pretty intriguing, right? Mystery movies, mystery songs, even, even um, music that is kind of uh, mysterious is, is actually alluring. See, we're intrigued by mystery. We're interested in it because I think it's provocative. Because I think mystery from a distance is full of potential. See, but the strange thing is, is that when the mysterious 
comes close to us, it changes the dynamic. All of a sudden, we're uncomfortable. We're on edge. It could be very overbearing. So the natural question is, why? Why is that? Why is mystery at a distance okay with us and actually provocative and alluring, but yet when it's up close in our face, we're so uncomfortable with it? And then on top of that is, does that tell us anything about ourselves? Maybe it speaks of issues that we have with pride or control or even loneliness. There's... I. I called it the serial killer effect. There's probably a a real term for it, but here it is to give you an example. Let's say that there's a serial killer in New York, right? It's Monday. We hear about it on the news, and we're affected by that, aren't we? Hopefully, we're we're praying and, and hoping that, one, they catch the person, and that, two, nobody else gets hurt. Tuesday, we watch the news, and that serial killer is in our neighborhood. All of a sudden, everything has changed. This thing that was kind of mysterious and unknown was far away, and now it's in our own backyard. So what is it about that distance that changes things? It's a, it's a word that starts with P, sounds like rocks, and ends in imity. Proximity. Very good. You guys are geniuses. (laughs) Something about proximity changes everything, right? What does it change? I'm looking for a word that starts with R and sounds like eel. Real. (laughs) It, It makes everything real. All of a sudden, this thing that's happening in New York is now in Woodier, and it's now part of our reality. It stepped into our reality. And so what, what is it about our reality and the mysterious that happens? What I want to suggest is that when the mysterious enters into our reality, it brings with it fear. That the mysterious can actually be, can actually be fearful. That as the unknown approaches us, we become gripped with fear. Now, I want to speak to those of you who call yourselves followers of Christ for a second. For, the, for those of you who have intersected with Christ and, and you are changed forever. And you've begun to study the life of Jesus and you've, begin to, you've discovered who God is and, and what he has promised and what he can do and all these things, and yet God at times still seems mysterious and unknown to you. Now take that and multiply it over and over and over for the person who hasn't stepped into that relationship yet. And you approach them, and all of a sudden you bring God into their reality. And if the unknown and the mysterious bring fear, imagine the fear that all of a sudden has confronted them. As I'm sure it confronted all of us at some point. So we need to be aware of that. We need to be sensitive of that. And that's why I think scripture goes back over and over and over again to say love, love, love. 
Because love will conquer fear. So let's remember that as we approach people and we're bringing God to them that it can be extremely fearful for them. But here's the great news, is that God does not have to be a mystery and God does not have to be unknown. That, in fact, God made himself known. In Acts 17, we see Paul walking through a town. And he's walking through and he sees that these people, they have um, altars and objects for religious worship to all different gods. He even finds an altar that says to the unknown God, just in case they missed one. And what Paul does, he walks through this town and he says, you know what? I see that you guys are religious people. I see it everywhere. There's no way to miss it. But you know that unknown God that you have an altar for? He's actually made himself known. But see, God didn't stop at that. God didn't just make himself known because it's a different thing to be known and to be understood, right? Two completely different things. You can know somebody, but you it doesn't mean you understand him. So God didn't stop at just knowledge. God said, I want you to understand me. Turn with me to Romans 10. Here we see um, Paul having a conversation. And in verse 8, Paul says, But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with, with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And see, what, what Paul is saying here is, listen, God made himself known. And in our heart of hearts, we come to a place where we understand that and we believe that God made himself known through Jesus Christ. But see, he also made himself understood in the life of Christ. And it's when we confess with our mouth, Jesus Christ is my Lord and he's my Savior. Really what we're doing is we're proclaiming that, God, I understand who you are. I know your identity. And I know your significance and your value. So here are some things that we know about God. We know about God's tenacious pursuit of humanity. We know that God desires that you know his love. That he has sacrificed everything for us. That connection to God changes us forever. And that we are to mimic the love that we experience with God to others. So these are some things that we know. Let me, let me end with this. Because I think that there's actually another reason for us to fear the mystery of God. The idea of this, this God who knows everything. Not just about everything out there in the world, but he knows everything about me. See, we've worked really hard to build up some walls, to, to put on this facade, to, to show people who 
we want them to see. Yeah, we might be vulnerable and, and weak at times. We might let people in a little bit. But to show them everything? No, no, no. And why is that? I think it's for fear that by showing somebody who we really are, that they will find no value in us. And if we're not valuable, what are we? What do we have? And see, here's the thing that you, you need to understand, if, if nothing else, this, that you are already known completely through and through. And that you are already loved completely through and through. See, our fear of our identity being known comes from a fear of having no value. And God says, I know you. I know who you are. I know everything about you. And I choose you. As a matter of fact, you are so valuable that I will pay the ultimate price to connect to you. See, God can be mysterious and unknown at times. But the truth is that God has made himself known. We know who he is and we can worship him for that. And he's made himself understood. We know his significance and we know what he has done for us. And it's because of nothing that we've done but just because of the value that we have, that we are created with. And so he's gone to the ends of the earth for us. Would you guys pray with me? Father, I know because I've been there that there are times when you are such a mystery to me when I feel like I don't even know who you are. Even though I've experienced you for years and years, and yet at times you seem so distant. What I pray, Lord, is that like the song we sang this morning, that you would reveal yourselves to us. That you would continue to pursue us passionately that we would not be overcome by the mysterious when it's close to us that we would understand that fear of you is a beginning of knowledge and you've asked us to go out and to learn and with proper reverence of you we need not fear anything else what I pray for those of us who have experienced you experience your grandeur and are in wonder and worship of who you are, that we would mimic what you've done for us. That we would coat our conversations in compassion and love. And that we would just beam who you are. And in those times where we feel so distant from you, like you're not even around, Lord, what I pray is that we would always remember that you are right next to us. As a matter of fact, you live inside of us and you never leave us. 
Before Christ, you revealed yourself to humanity, and we called it miracles. And then in Christ, you made yourself understood to humanity. So I pray that we would look to Christ to know you and to understand you. And at the same time, that we would be okay. That there is some mystery and some unknown about you that we will never comprehend. Don't allow our reason and our logic to steer us away from the truth. That you are who you say you are. And that you have done what you have said you've done. Father, I thank you because you have pursued me. And I thank you because you pursue each and every one of the people here today. May we look to you for instruction and wisdom and understanding. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.